Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. A task force in the city of Detroit is hard at work right now, trying to help our community figure out how to address the huge gaps between black and white existence in our community through reparations. What might that look like? Who would benefit? And how hard is it to stare some of our nation's foundational inequalities so starkly in the face and challenge our communities to do better? We'll be joined today by the chairs of the Detroit Reparations Task Force to discuss it all. That's next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Detroit Today is supported by the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us today. If you're someone who loves the idea of living in interesting times, well, you could do a lot worse than living right now in the city of Detroit. One reason I think that's true is the really historic effort underway in our city right now. And it's something that has a pretty simple question at its core. What is owed to African-Americans as a result of the systemic discrimination we've faced since before our city or nation were even founded? And further, can we come up with a suite of ideas, monetary, cultural, institutional, that might address the yawning gaps that exist between white and black existence in this community because of that history of discrimination. Now, the idea of reparations for African Americans is not new. It's something that was discussed in earnest after the Civil War, The movement rose again in the 1960s when Martin Luther King Jr. and many other civil rights advocates supported reparations as a counterweight to things like slavery and segregation, decades of discrimination in housing and the workplace, and nearly every other part of American life. And in more recent years, we've seen lots of people come forward and write really compellingly about the idea of reparations. I think many of us still remember quite vividly the work that Ta-Nehisi Coates did in The Atlantic in 2014 in his piece, The Case for Reparations, 10,000 words about the history of discrimination and the challenge to address it in the 21st century. In recent years, we've also seen this idea explored and enacted at the local level in lots of different places. Some small towns like Amherst, Massachusetts and Evanston, Illinois, have implemented reparations in the form of housing investment or new banks, one that's dedicated to serving local African-American residents in their respective towns. 
even big cities like Boston and Denver and Los Angeles are exploring this issue. And the most populous state in our nation, California, has its own reparations task force. Today, Detroit is part of that conversation as well. 80% of Detroiters approved a 2021 measure at the ballot, creating a task force to study and address the issue of reparations. There's a 13-member task force now researching the harm done to black Detroiters and coming up with ideas to address it. That task force had its first public meeting on April 13th, and there were lots of really interesting things said, lots of really interesting exchanges about the very idea of trying to make black Detroiters whole, in a sense. That's where we want to begin the conversation this week, talking about this task force, what its aims are, what the historical wrongs inflicted on black Detroiters are, and what the task force is thinking about doing to make this city and this state a more equitable place. We're really pleased to have two members of the task force with us. Lauren Hood is a writer, a city planner, and a community developer. She's also a co-chair of Detroit's Reparations Task Force. Lauren, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Also with us is Keith Williams. He is the Michigan Democratic Black Caucus Chair and also a co-chair on Detroit's Reparations Task Force. Keith, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. So I'm really excited to have both of you here. I'm really excited to talk about this. I was somebody who was uh, really interested in that first public meeting and what we might learn about what y'all have been up to and what you plan to do. But I want to start with each of you just talking about the purpose of all of this and what it means to study and address the issue of reparations in a city like Detroit. Uh, Keith, I'm going to start with you. You know, I'm really excited about uh, trying to rewrite a wrong uh, I say to people, we're trying to repair and rebuild and heal. And um, as I got involved in this and I started to look, looking at all the things that were happening, and I, was, I remember my father used to talk about Black Bottom a lot. He said black folks used to have fun, but where, 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 where were we going with this, okay? And, you know, and, and then he, we stayed in Black Bottom for about 10 years until – uh, late when I I was one years old when we when we moved out and we moved to west uh, west side of Detroit and um, I remember my sister going to Duffield Middle School uh, elementary right down on that street called McComb where McComb was the first owner of slaves and so you know it was it was the best of times and it was the worst of times how you can put it but I'm excited because we get a chance to create a new economy for Black folks you know uh, we've been left out the American dream and. And, and our slice of the pie has been diminished. And so uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I know Lauren is excited. We've been talking about this. We've been meeting. And, you know, we're not trying to push nothing down people's throats. We're not trying to be, you know, it's cause a racial conflict. But black folks are due. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, your reference there to Black Bottom, for listeners who are unfamiliar, Black Bottom was uh, a neighborhood uh, near where Lafayette Park uh, is right now, where African Americans lived for a very long time. Uh, it had its own culture and economy. Uh, it had its own wonderful existence and life, uh, and it was destroyed uh, in part uh, because of the building of the Chrysler Freeway, I-75, uh, through the middle of downtown. Uh, Lauren Hood, uh, same question to you. Um, what does it mean to try to stare this stuff in the face and come up with a way <laughs> to make it right? It means we have a long road ahead. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of work, right? I am most excited to address we talk about gaps all the time um the one that's prominent in my mind is this this gap between detroit's present and our potential i feel like reparations is just a step in us getting to where we could be um i think that black folks for a long time um there's so much i think there's a there's a spiritual component a holistic component, and then there's this financial redress that needs to happen. But I would argue that the the government acknowledging that the condition of our neighborhoods is not our fault um, goes a long way in us being responsible for getting to where we could be. But I think we need to hear and embody that the condition of our neighborhoods isn't because of, you know, a deficiency that we have. It was intentional um, and beyond our control. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure that we explain pretty clearly to people what the, the task force is doing and what the expectations are. At the end of this, you could have a lot of proposals for change in our community, things we could do differently, but it's actually not the task force's job to implement some of these things uh, that you recommend. It really is something, Lauren, as you point out, that's a first step uh, to, to, to dealing with these things. This is about uh, study and recommendation. Is that right? Correct. And I think one of our first recommendations needs to be that there is some sort of uh, governing body that can help execute on this in perpetuity. <laughs> it is not like our the task force ends in 18 months, but I think, again, one of our first recommendations is what is the, the group, the governing body that can hold institutions and government accountable for delivering on what our recommendations are? There has to be some some framework for continuing the work after the 18 months. Yeah, uh, Keith, uh, talk a little about the committee, what people's roles are and look like, what kinds of knowledge and skills people are bringing to the table. I know it's early, but. <laughs> hey, I just say this, we're just coming together. And I tell my neighbors will hit me with stuff. I said, Rome wasn't built in a day, okay? <laughs> so now we're trying to get acclimated to each other's uh, um, way of doing things. And, uh, and like Lauren said, hopefully we come up with a good product that will go on in perpetuity, not file 13. You know, stuff like, you, you know, in the past, thing goes into file 13, mm -hmm. you never see it again, okay? <laughs> and I don't, That's such an old phrase. I love that you said that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't want to see stuff just get thrown away after the hard work and all the ingenuity and the 
um, the effort we put into this because I'm serious about this. I'm tired of driving down streets of, of degradation and poverty and things like that. I'm tired of seeing my kids not getting educated to a point where, you know, they can close the wealth gap and the education gap. I'm just tired of those kind of things. You know, this is about redress. And we didn't we didn't cause the problem. We didn't we wasn't we didn't ask ourselves to be enslaved. They did it and so they should repay for it. And so, you know, folks gonna say, Well, I had nothing to do with it, but you benefited from it. Legacy. Le- the legacy is a big word in this process, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're not asking for a handout. We're just asking for a hand up. Am I right or wrong, Lauren? <laughs> <You're right. laughs> uh, I'm talking with Lauren Hood and Keith Williams. They are the co-chairs of Detroit's Reparations Task Force. Uh, the task force had its first public meeting on April 13th. Uh, we're talking about the work ahead for the task force and uh, the things that might come out of it. What kinds of change might uh, close some of the gaps that exist between black and white existence here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, We would love to hear from you listeners during the conversation as well. What do you make about this idea of reparations for African-Americans? What do you make about the idea of trying to do this at the local level, like we are here in the city of Detroit? Uh, What do you think would be part of a proposal to make things more equal between black and white, uh, what would give people a fairer shot at opportunity and even thriving here in Detroit. Also, if you just have questions for the Detroit Reparations Task Force, how it's working, uh, what it will do, this is the time to call and ask. Also, would love to hear from folks who don't think this is a great idea. Maybe you think uh, reparations can't work or that it won't solve the problems that we have. Uh, Always uh, welcome everybody's voice in the conversation. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation. Uh, Lauren, I want to talk just a little about the scope of uh, the work here. I think when you say the word reparations, often what people think about is slavery, and they th- they put it into the context of slavery, uh, and they don't think about the things that have happened in the 170-some years since slavery. Uh, the, the idea of reparations really is about looking at that fuller picture, and I feel like there's some education that has to take place with a lot of folks about that time period and what's happened. People don't know a lot of times about Black Bottom. People don't know about uh, the housing discrimination that created the suburbs, for instance, here in Detroit and left a lot of people behind behind and out of that wealth opportunity. Um, Put this all in a little bit of context for us. Well, I think it's going to be a learning journey for all of us. You know, we're representing different disciplines on this task force, but there is an education that needs to happen. Um, And it's funny you talk about starting with slavery. I've seen, you know, I read the comments on all the the articles about reparations because I wanted to know what the dissent was, what's the root of the dissent. And a lot of people said, like, you know, slavery didn't happen in the North. Yes, there were slaveholders in Detroit. Yes, Yes, Yes. there were. (laughs) Keith Williams has talked about (laughs) Macomb as a great example. Absolutely. Um, But also I think that 
in Detroit specifically, the, the time period that comes up is the period of urban renewal. So you look at city government and, and leadership was responsible for the displacement of Black Bottom and Paradise Valley. So I think that, you know, what um, the resolution establishing us calls for addressing housing issues and economic development. And I think that most of us will start with that particular period in Detroit and think about, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s as a beginning point for addressing things like, yes, the redlining and the displacement. Um, but it should be more comprehensive. So, uh, talk about some of the other things that, that um, are well, part of the equation. I appreciate there. the fact that it says economic development because you can you can put a lot in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need, if policy was what got us here, we need policy to help get us out. Mm-hmm. And if the harms transcended multiple generations, the healing or the redress also needs to be that comprehensive. So what can that look like to have policy that heals? It sets us up to thrive versus that policy that was ex- extractive and harmed us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to social media, to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today. Let's start today with Frank in Green Oak Township. Frank, welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning, Stephen. Um Hi. You know, I'd really like to say that the word reparations is like a dog whistle to, um, you know, a, a large number of people. And, um, you know, on, on one side, uh, you know, I guess the more the people that support these things, like myself, uh, I hear a lot of people that they want to punish somebody and they want to take something away from somebody and give it to somebody else. And, you know, that's just a, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's a fight. That's another front in the culture uh, wars. Uh, but to use that word reparations is is really counterproductive. And it just is, you know, you're just not going to get anything started. Hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things you need are like, say, um, you know, uh, people of the uh, uh, Republican Party, uh, if you frame this up as economic opportunity and bringing people into the wider economy, uh, and, and keep focus on that, which means education, you know, that Ken Griffith just gave $300 million to Harvard University. You know, what mm-hmm. good is that $300 million going to do to uh, people that attend Harvard who have every opportunity, uh, you know, that we can imagine? Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, if we don't get kids reading by the third grade level, good luck. There's mm-hmm. nothing, you know, that window closes, that, you know, that so, brain development. Yeah. So, yeah. so Frank, I, I want to start with the initial question you asked, which is about the word reparations and, and the way that some people react to it. I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but, but tell me what word makes more sense to you. I'm really curious what word you would use for this exercise. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. I think as being as a, you know, a, a, a white male, you know, with, you know, with all that carries, you know, the opportunity <laughs> that, you know, the, that, that we have, um, you know, to appeal to, you know, the vast majority of people, they, you know, they were going to say like, yes, economic opportunity, you know, things were wrong and we got to move people into this wider, just economy. And I think that's the thing is, you know, that's like, you know, economic justice is what our yeah. government should be all about. That's what it's our culture should be all about. 
And that's what I would look for, something like words like economic justice. Okay. But I Frank, would use I, the word justice. Frank, I really, I really appreciate you calling, and, and I appreciate you playing along with me, coming <laughs> up with a phrase uh, of, your, of your own there. Uh, uh, Keith Williams, I'll give you the first crack at answering, Frank. Uh, this is a conversation I find myself in, not infrequently, where people don't like uh, either the word or the implication. Like Frank said, this idea of taking away from some people to, to give to others. I want to say this to Frank. Brookings Institute did a report last year, and, he's, and it's from this perspective. It says, today the average white family has roughly 10 times the amount of wealth as the average black family. White college graduates have over seven times more wealth than the black college student. Then it went on to say, in 1860, $3 billion was the value assigned to physical bodies of enslaved black Americans. Then it went on to say that uh, $360 billion was the estimate of the, of the work of the f- folks who were working in slave fields. So to me, I get it. But at the end of the day, ask Frank, can he acknowledge the harm that was caused. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, I think Frank is saying that yes. he he does acknowledge that. I think what he's saying is is about strategy. I think what he's what he's getting at is how do you convince white people, uh, in particular, uh, that this is something that needs to be done. I got an idea. Yeah. That's why I say rebuild, repair, and 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 heal. Okay. It to the marginalized communities around the country, okay? If, they, if, they, if that's going to sugarcoat a little bit, rebuild, <laughs> repair, and heal. And heal. Yeah, I like those words. <laughs> yeah, yes, because it's got I, a lot of, you know, rebuild. Economic developers want to rebuild, don't they? And then you got the church community want to repair and heal. So, yeah. you know, that's why I come from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, at the same time, uh, I have this, this thing about truth-telling and the importance <laughs> yes. of truth-telling. Yeah. Uh, but I hear Frank when when he says, "Look, uh, the people that he knows, the people in his community, react really differently than we do uh, to that truth telling." It's unfortunate that the word is so politically charged. Like it's a perfect word. At the root of reparations is the word repair, yeah, yeah. right? And that's what we're trying to do. Um, but also, like. I feel like the suburbs, Bob and Livonia is worried that reparations are going to attack his savings account. Yes. That is not what this is. Yes. Um, yes and yes, I think yes, yes. we want something beyond a cash payment. If you give me a check, but I still have to live like a second class citizen here, like we haven't done reparations. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, my liberation doesn't exist in somebody else's bank account. There is, there is something more to be had from this process. Yeah. So people need to <laughs> stop being scared that we're coming for your savings. That right. is not what this looks yeah. like. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little more uh, about that when we come back. Uh, we do need to take a break, and we need to thank Keith Williams for being here. He's got to run to another appointment. Uh, good luck in the work, and really appreciate uh, you stopping by. Okay, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about reparations with Lauren Hood, uh, the co-chair of the Detroit Reparations Task Force. We'll also continue to hear from you on the phones and on social. Tim and Adelia in Detroit, Cindy in the Cass Corridor. You'll be up next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Right now, we've got Lauren Hood with us in the studio. She's a writer, a city planner, and a community developer. She is also the co-chair of Detroit's Reparations Task Force, uh, something that 80% of voters in the city in 2021 said they wanted a way to think about the history of inequality and discrimination locally here in the city of Detroit and some way to come up with ideas to fill those gaps. How do you make life more equitable for African Americans who have borne the brunt of historic and systemic discrimination since before the city or the nation were even founded. That's what we're talking about today, and we want to hear from you on the phones and on social as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the show that way. Before we go back to the phones, Lauren, I want to follow up on something that you were just talking about with regard to the the nature and the shape of this idea of reparations, that it isn't just about paying somebody for the wrongs that were done to them. It is about changing the infrastructure uh, that we live with now to be sure that opportunity is more equal so that into the future uh, things work out a lot better. That's something that I think about a, a lot here in our community. And one of my real frustrations, in fact, is that that does not become part of the conversation when we are talking about things that are so clearly connected to this inequality. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One is this project that's on the board to uh, to fill in uh, I-375 and recreate a neighborhood where uh, Black Bottom and some other communities once existed. We keep hearing from people who are really excited about this, and the state has these really interesting drawings of uh, of communities that they'd like to build. But what's not really front and center in that conversation is the fact that you don't have to look that far, really, to find many of the families who were specifically displaced because of the building of I-375, who lost everything because uh, it was taken from them. Uh, another, uh, another example of that for me is the discussion about uh, property tax over assessment here in the city of Detroit, right? Uh, there are all kinds of people, mostly African-Americans, who lost their homes because of those over assessments. Now, that over assessment is not itself uh, uh, a discriminatory uh, act. It is, it is something that happened, uh, it, though, in a city where people's lives were already affected by discrimination over a long period of time. And so when we talk about how to make those folks whole, we should be talking about it in the context of not just what happened now, but what happened to put them in a position that that overassessment was so catastrophic for them. And, and I think when we talk about reparations, these are the things that we are really talking about. 
Agreed, 100%. And I would say I think it's a strategy on the part of people that are and have been working on the foreclosure crisis that they don't use the word reparations. So they are talking about address but using a different language, which I think likely helps their case in a lot of ways um, based on that that caller. Um, Once you put the word reparations in there, people want to fight against it. But there are people talking about and working on redress for people that have been foreclosed upon. Um, And you're right about I-375. I think it's a real-time case study where our task force can have some actual impact. Um, It's interesting, like MDOT's leading that process. Mm -hmm. Like who applies to go work at MDOT? Those are transportation folks. They Mm -hmm. don't necessarily come to the table with... um, you know, a background or a lens towards social justice that isn't necessarily their area of expertise. So I think that there is, however, room to influence that process. Mm -hmm. So there are some local advisory committees that have been convened. I think we could get some more people at the table in those conversations, but I do think there is room to influence outcomes. Yeah, and and influence outcomes in a systemic way way that is the thing that we always i feel like miss in detroit is we want to deal with things as they happen and we're not thinking about again that generations into the future yeah 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 Yeah. so if the federal highway act you know was was the root of this evil (laughs) it also needs to be the root of the the redress Right, right so yeah what can we do locally and at the state level to to leverage influence in that direction yeah yeah uh, again 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones i'm going to read a couple of uh, social media comments uh, before we go back to the phones big neo says the best reparation would be to require racist individuals to abandon that mentality unfortunately <laughs> i don't see that happening because you cannot control what people think and feel. So in lieu of that, cut me a seven-figure or higher check. <laughs> Big Neo, I think, being a little facetious there. Uh, uh, Amanda on Twitter says, your guest mentioned policy. Is the group going to examine the laws and policies that harmed and continue to harm black folks and make recommendations about how to legislate out the possibility of future abuse. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about that. That uh, You do expect that to be part of the work, right? Absolutely. Lauren? And um, what I want people to understand it is it's just not the expertise of the 13 people on the task force that we're applying to this. So we did get approved for a $350,000 budget, of which we will use to hire consultants and researchers and experts to to advise and let us know what is legally possible. So yes, we will absolutely be looking at public policy. Yeah. Dragon Lady on Twitter says the same people who are against CRT, uh, critical race theory, are the ones against reparations because they don't want to admit that structural racism exists and caused harm still causes harm. Let's go back to the phones here. Uh, let's start with Chris in Dearborn Heights. Chris, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey. First time caller. Yeah, great. We love okay, that. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I'm all for the this reparations thing, but, uh, you know, I am of uh, Cherokee descent, a Native American, mm-hmm. and I feel like if they're going to do this with the African-American community, they also need to do it with the indigenous people community. Uh, the, you know, we were, uh, you know, completely colonized. Uh, we were, our men, our, you know, women and children were raped and murdered. Uh, we still uh, live on reservations to this day. 
Uh, you know, so if they're going to do this with the African American folks, they also need to do it with the indigenous people, Native Americans, because you know they're they're still uh, been on the back burner for some time now, and you know they're, they're, you don't hear much from the Native American community or. Uh, the indigenous people because they still live on reservations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I feel like if they're going to uh, open the book up to reparations for them, then it also we should have reparations for the indigenous American native people. Yeah. Uh, Chris, really appreciate you calling and making that point. Lauren, talk about uh, the, the way the task force, first of all, will deal with uh, inequalities of, of all kinds. I mean, uh, the indigenous population here, uh, even before African-Americans were in Detroit, were, um, were subject to historic kinds of discrimination as well. Is that within the purview of this task force? Not explicitly. However, it's my contention that that's the original sin. And if you don't address that, nothing we do will, will be what it can be, mm-hmm. be as good as it can be. So I do think that is something to consider. I don't know what the appetite is for the rest of the body. I myself actually have a, a meeting later with a Native American leader to talk about this. Is that right? Um, yeah, I'm not sure, again, what, what our collective appetite is for it. But I do believe if you don't address that harm, nothing else will be as stable or, you know, as good as it could be. Yeah. I mean, we often get into these arguments about whose past uh, was was more harmful or is more The struggle Olympics. To, right. The suffering yeah. Olympics. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I always say that, you know, everyone's experience is, is kind of different and somewhat individualized, but the common thread is discrimination. The common thread is inequality. And I think uh, rallying around that as a way of trying to address all of these things makes the most sense, rather than talking about who's whose uh, consequences uh, were what or, or more. And I more. think the angle we'll have to take, I was reading about some of the work they're doing in California and one of the task force members said it's about harm and not about race. That's right. Um, so if we craft this policy to address harm, it encompasses more people than just black folks. Yeah, yeah. Chris, really appreciate the call and, uh, and the great comments. Uh, and call again. I love that you were a first-time caller. Uh, let's go next to Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. Yes, I'm uh, just calling to show such gratitude. I've, I was born in Detroit, raised in war. My parents moved out during the 67 riots and uh, back here in Detroit for 30 years and have learned self-love through the black community and such great respect. I go to a Unity Church with uh, Reverend Gregory Geist. Yeah. The love and and uh, just just uh, you know I say black folks have been through hell and back a few times nothing can get to them anymore and uh, if, yeah. if uh, until we do start start speaking some truth in these high schools what went on with the native people you know the the uh, Europeans and the native didn't get together have a meal and it was all good you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we really need to start speaking some truth of what's really gone on right having yeah. high respect. Some, uh, I believe that black folks are the mothers and fathers of us white people and that we have lots to learn. Yeah, Robert, I really appreciate you calling and, and, uh, and saying those things. I think, again, you know, there are people in every part of uh, our community who, who really have 
uh, a strong strong emotion really uh, I think about uh, the work that's going on and the conversations that we are finally having about uh, about this history. Uh, let's go next to Tim in Detroit. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I want to say all, all white people in America are immigrants. Okay. Uh, the people that uh, are here in America from Europe, uh, Europe didn't have a middle class uh, in the beginning. Okay. The people that came here are from the asylums, the prisons, the streets, and the poorhouses of Europe. When they got here, they gave them land. They, they, they put them over black people because, you know, the, most of them people, they weren't considered white people when they came. Only Anglos were considered white. Mm-hmm. Now, when they talk about giving us uh, reparation, they, they're not giving us anything. They owe us because it would be no America without the stolen labor of black people. Tim, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, the, Lauren, uh, respond to what he's saying there. I mean, he, he's talking about the, you know, the, the point that he was making, I think, is really important that that when white immigrants came to America, uh, yes. there were advantages that were built in for them. And and I, I'm always very careful about how I talk about those things, right. because this is not about what somebody else has or doesn't. It is about the denial of that same opportunity to us and to other people. And so when you have, uh, you know, white Americans who are struggling, right, who are not uh, enjoying the kind of opportunity that that they might imagine they should, uh, th- that becomes a reason to say, "Well, I'm I'm not a beneficiary of yes. of these things." But it's not about your benefit; it is about our denial. Well, I struggle also with the framing that you know that that we need that what black people need something from white people for repair to happen. Mm-hmm. We need something from government and from institutions. It's not a a person-to-person proposition. So when I hear people say those things, I mean, yes, it it draws to light the the problem we're trying to address, but I really want people to understand that it is not black folks getting something from white folks. Yeah, it's not person-to-person. And I would argue, I don't think that that white folks are whole right now either. We all have something to gain by getting in right relationship. And and the idea that... Uh, equity for African Americans is something that will benefit everybody. The, the idea that treating everyone with the same level of respect and fairness, uh, giving everyone equal opportunity, doesn't mean that some people will lose. It means, I think, that everybody benefits more. That's a really hard case to make uh, because we live in a society, I think, that is. Uh, it is about this idea of of limited opportunity, of finite resource, um, but but I do believe, I really believe that uh, that equity would create more for everyone. And it's not about an inverted racial hierarchy. It's not <laughs> uh, black people are on the bottom and we want to be on the top. It's it's about an elimination of a racial hierarchy. That's right. That's right. Okay, we do need to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Lauren Hood, co-chair of the Detroit Reparations Task Force. 
Also continue on the phones and on social. Uh, Adriel in Detroit, uh, Delia in Westland, Rich in Roseville, John in Royal Oak. We will get to you next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and our guest is Lauren Hood. She is the co chair of the Detroit Reparations Task Force, and that's what we're talking about reparations and the discussion underway in the city of Detroit about how we might make things right, uh, given the history of institutional discrimination against African-Americans in our city. I want to hear from you as well on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number. And you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation that way. Uh, Lauren, before we go back to listeners, I do want to talk about some of these other cities that are at least uh, experimenting with this idea. People invoke Evanston, Illinois a lot, and Amherst, Massachusetts. And as I said in the open to the show, the state of California has got a a reparations task force. I wonder if there's something that you're seeing uh, in some of these other communities that you think might be helpful in, in the way that we noodle through this here in Detroit provide a critical analysis of what's being done in other places. You know, people hold up Evanston as this exemplar of what could be done here. Um, but in reading more about it, you know, it's a housing voucher. That's that what you, they've decided yes, to do for African Exactly. So there. you can use it in certain places towards a down payment of a house. Um, but I was reading a lot of the descendants that qualified for it were like in their 70s and 80s. They're like, so I'm going to use this to apply for a mortgage at my age? Um, So a couple of people turned it down and they actually then um, were awarded by city council just a cash payment. But it really sometimes it's like a coupon for a store that doesn't sell what you want. (laughs) So we want to make sure that if we are talking about cash payments, it's actually unrestricted. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, and again, it's that structural approach rather than, hey, here's this this individual problem. Let's try to solve this this way. It's almost a reverse engineering that you need. Uh, what's the big picture issue? Solve it at that level, and then you get these these smaller, you know, instances of programs and things that would make sense in that bigger picture. Yeah, and sometimes I think we have to make sure that we're actually doing reparations and not just like a housing program. Mm-hmm. It's got a it it needs a couple of different components. So I think for it to be holistic reparations, it needs to be an acknowledgement of the harm. Um, some form of redress, and again, that assurance that it won't happen again. Yeah, yeah. I, I also want to ask some practical questions that I hear people ask a lot. How do you identify, for instance, who would benefit from the things that you come up with? How do you identify someone who has actually been harmed? Or do you even bother with that? Do you just say there is this is a systemic problem, and so... All people who lived in the city of Detroit from, uh, you know, pick a date uh, to, <laughs> to, to, to now should benefit. I mean, there, there are some practical It's hurdles. tricky. I think it's a both and. I think in some of the current work in other places, you just have to prove that you are a resident of that place during a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, but these federal movements are having us prove that we're the actual descendants of slaves. So I think somewhere in between both of those is where we'll lie. Um, and again, I think for this task force, a lot of our focus is around that period of urban renewal. So we can use things like census records and Sanborn maps to see who was actually here. It's not going to be that hard. Um, but I think we also do need to use oral histories, in particular with Black Bottom. Black folks didn't own the property. So if we're looking at ownership records, you're not going to see us there. Yeah. So we're going to need to um, have folks doing oral history so we can hear straight from the horse's mouth who was there and who who is worthy of redress. Yeah, yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Adelia in Westland. Adelia, welcome to the show. Yes. Go ahead. Well, thank you so much for letting me on this wonderful show. I thank you again, Stephen, for bringing up a very poignant and popular topic of discussion in Detroit. Um, you know, as a design professional of the 12 to 15 percent professionals in downtown Detroit of color, I have been very active with this movement since 16, 2016, just mm -hmm trying to get it to the mainstream of society because it was kind of a grassrooty little group. And I jumped in it because I was concerned about contract opportunities in this town for black professional firms. They were not <clears throat> getting their fair share of work, and we still aren't. So I decided to jump in the long-haul version of this thing called reparations. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it's good that Detroit, uh, city of Detroit has jumped in it after we got the vote up to 90% of black people deciding, yes, we want this, we need this, we should get this, we deserve this. So I'm thankful that people are getting involved, creating task force, and all of that great stuff that we got to do to get done done. Now, the last part of my conversation around um, black bottom, I think instead of making other people richer, meaning closing up the freeway, giving them that $350 million, maybe we should give it to the reparations, Detroit Reparations Fund. <laughs> <laughs> you know, $350 million is a lot, a of, lot money. of money. You're not, so you're not. we should just use our brain all the way if we can, if we can, <laughs> yeah. and think about what we're doing. Because if we're trying to give them money, they're going to get all the money in the front end of the game, and we're going to be sitting around waiting to the bill some new version of Hastings Street. Yeah. Put a nice statue over there. <laughs> and move on. Adelia, okay? I, I, mean, I, I love so that. Empty I do love that idea. Malls, all over the east side. You can put little malls all over the east side. Call them mini black bottles. Yeah. Uh, Adelia, <laughs> I love that idea. And and uh, look, I, I mean, we were talking earlier about my frustration with the conversation <clears throat> about filling an I-375 and how it is not focused on, on this this kind of thing. You're right. $350 million is a lot of money and, and there are things we could do with it. I mean, uh, centering that in the conversation is the challenge, Lauren. Yes. Well, if I'm not mistaken, that money is specifically earmarked for a certain kind of capital improvement right. project. It's MDOT so it money. Doesn't, you can't just, doesn't come from know, a pot that could right. be applied toward That's reparations. Right. But, you know, when that project is all said and done, some 26 acres of developable land will become available mm -hmm. and I think that's where we can start a conversation about who might get the net benefit from that right. land. Right. And how to include people who have been left out and who 100%. were pushed off of Not just include land. but prioritize. Right. 
Right. Absolutely. Again, Adelia, really appreciate the call and uh, the questions. Let's go to John in Royal Oak. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning, sir. Uh-huh. Um, as an old liberal white guy, I understand the concept of reparations, and I'm not in necessarily not in favor of it. And your, con- your caller about indigenous peoples hit the nail on the head. That that has to be addressed as well, mm-hmm. but primarily the, the the sticking point in my mind is that without supply, there would have been no demand for slaves, and the warring African nations that sent their brothers and sisters into slavery bear guilt for creating the supply, and they should be involved in the conversation. Mm. John, I do appreciate the call and the, and the comments. I mean, there's a lot in, in there that I would uh, take issue with. Uh, but I, here's what I won't take issue with. Look, anybody who was responsible for slavery ought to be held accountable. And, and you're right. Uh, to the extent that, that uh, Africans were involved, uh, uh, they should be held uh, accountable. I think though, that, that that's not the point of this exercise. I think, and again, this idea of, um, of singling out uh, people or, or groups of people um, is, is not the goal. The goal is to stop the discrimination itself and to right the, discri- the wrongs created by that discrimination. And that is uh, kind of a separate question uh, from the idea of fixing blame. Am I right about that, Lauren? I would agree with that. And that's all I want to say yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, I mean, so, so it's, it's, difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to have these conversations because of that. I mean, look, as John says, he describes himself as uh, a, a, liberal. A, a liberal person and somebody <laughs> who supports the idea of reparations. It's hard to get people when you drill down on the specifics of this to well, I think really, the global conversation is different than the local really conversation. Different. So sure. he's talking about Africans. Yes. Like we're right. talking about what we right. can do in Detroit, Michigan, United States. Very different, right? Very different. And 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 there aren't they aren't mutually exclusive though. It's not that we're saying we don't want to talk about all of these other things or any of them. It's that what we're talking about right here doesn't have much to do with that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, uh, John, really do appreciate that you listen and appreciate that you that you called in to share your perspective. OK, uh, Lauren, uh, we've only got about half a minute left, but I, I want you to just outline for us what's next, how how this progresses. Uh, well, for the foreseeable future, probably till the end of the year, we'll be doing meetings every two weeks. Um, we did forego what we had planned for a meeting this week because there are certain requirements that we couldn't meet within the timeline. So there are certain types of venues we have to, to use. There's a certain amount of notification time to post meeting information. Um, we don't need to abide by the Open Meetings Act, but we're choosing to. Um, so there are just some, some things that came up that don't allow us to have this meeting this week, but we will have one two weeks following All right. from this Friday. Okay, and everybody who's interested should absolutely step up and be involved in the process. Lauren Hood, always great to see you. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much Thanks, for Steven. coming on the show today. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow with more great programming here on Detroit Today. This is 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, 
and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.